0: ButcherBox is far and away my favorite subscription service because not only are they saving me time with a trip to my grocery store by delivering the best quality meats right to my door for free, but they always deliver the best in grass-fed beef, organic chicken, pork that's raised, crate free and wild-caught seafood. With ButcherBox, I always know I'm getting the highest quality products available, and the proof is in the flavor of the dishes I make every time I use them, which is basically every day. And once you open a box, you'll see how committed they are to getting you that quality, too. I'm talking ribeyes and strip steaks with all the marbling, steak tips carved up the way they should be, nice and thick, awesome chicken wings and thighs that I can store and pull out whenever I want to make a meal that my friends and family will love. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of those premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com Everytown and use code Everytown to choose your free offer and get $20 off. So one more time because this is key. New users will receive their choice of two pounds of ground beef Three pounds of chicken thighs or one pound of premium steak tips for a year. Use code Everytown and get $20 off your first box.
1: True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers,
0: Every town has a dark side. Among the serial killers in the U.S., Gary Ridgway became the most prolific one ever known when in 2003 he confessed to a staggering 48 murders. While many people recognize the name Gary Ridgway, there's another killer who claims to have killed one more victim than Gary, and his name is Robert Brown. I'm Ana Fitzgerald, and thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Every Town. Remember, you can always watch these episodes on our Scary Mysteries YouTube channel if you want to see them complete with awesome visuals. From 1970 to 1995, Louisiana native Robert Brown left a trail of dead bodies in his home state and many others, including Colorado, Texas, Alabama, Mississippi, California, New Mexico, Oklahoma, and Washington. He was ultimately handed down guilty verdicts for two murders. But Robert wrote authorities telling them that he actually killed 49 people, making him The devil's right hand man. So let's get to know Mr. Brown in today's episode. And when we're done, if you didn't know his name before this, you'll for sure remember him when we're through. Robert Brown came from a big family. He was the youngest of nine children with three sets of twins, including him and his twin sister. He was born on October 31, 1952, in the small town of Cusada, Louisiana. The Brown family had a dairy farm business. Robert's father, Ronald, was later designated as deputy sheriff at the Red River Sheriff's Office. One of his brothers much later became a Louisiana state trooper as well. And it's worth noting that depression once gripped the family when Robert's grandfather, the father of his mother, Beulah, had drowned himself in a receptacle by weighing a chain around his neck. It was highly taboo in the small town, but the community remained kind to the Brown family and considered them a good family because all nine children were well taken care of. Robert was looked at as an intelligent student at the Kusada High School, where he excelled in math and achieved average grades. People found him shy yet courteous, and he may have had a quick mind, but he also had a very bad temper. Robert's heart was not into studying, and before he turned seventeen back in nineteen sixty nine, he left school to join the army. During his time, he toured Vietnam twice and South Korea once as a medic, but in 1976, he was honorably discharged for drug abuse. After a stint in the Army, Mr. Brown held different jobs in and around Louisiana, Texas, and Colorado. He did things like deliver flowers, he worked as a clerk at a quick stop, and he also drove a truck. We got married six times, but those all ended in divorce. The six women were all similar in appearance and all were petite, weighing between 95 and 125 pounds, and it's believed his ex-wives are still alive. The six women were similar in appearance and all were petite, weighing between 95 and 125 pounds, and all of his ex-wives are still alive. Robert had a child named Thomas with a second wife, a Vietnamese girl. The reason his relationships never worked, at least according to his last three wives, was that Mr. Brown would become physically abusive or highly irrational over the simplest mistakes. He even told his fifth wife that he hated women and cons. He worked steadily, though, from 1981 until 1988, with the exception of a 10-month gap where he served a prison sentence for stealing a truck in 86. He was also arrested for stealing a church bell and was linked to various drug charges, burglaries, arsons, and even animal cruelty. All this was part of Robert's criminal history, which was soaked in blood, with a series of murders he claimed to have started Back in 1980. The killing spree of Robert Brown started in 1980. According to him, it was done in South Korea, but authorities couldn't verify this. In the same year, a 16 year old girl from his hometown of Louisiana became his first victim in the U.S. There were numerous murders that followed, and Robert was finally captured by authorities after he killed 13-year-old Heather Dawn Church from Black Forest, about 12 miles northeast of Colorado Springs. It was on September 17, 1991, when the honor student was left at home to babysit her 5-year-old brother Sage. Their mom and two brothers had gone to a Boy Scouts meeting, To their horror, Heather was nowhere to be found when they returned home. Despite a grueling search effort, the police couldn't initially find the teenage girl. When the case was featured on true crime TV shows, police received tips, And then finally, two years later, on September 16th of 93... Heather's remains were found on Rampart Range Road by a transient camper. The coroner's findings of the cause of death was ruled as blunt force trauma to the head. Fortunately, Robert left evidence at the crime scene through his fingerprints found on a window screen, which was used to conclusively link him to Heather's death. One of the investigators, Tom Carney, focused on matching the fingerprints left of the crime scene with the ones found in a car theft case Robert was entangled in earlier in Louisiana. So then, on March 28, 1995, he was arrested and charged with Heather's murder. After a while, DA John Anderson proposed a plea bargain for Mr. Brown, in which he would plead guilty to Heather's murder in exchange for the state not seeking a death sentence against him. And they would also drop all additional charges except for the first degree murder. Robert accepted it and was then sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. While incarcerated, over the years, Robert started writing letters with cryptic messages to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. Part of one of his messages said, Seven sacred virgins entombed side by side. Those less worthy are scattered wide. The score is you one, the other team 48. The letter included a hand-drawn map with outlines of Colorado, Washington, California, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, with a body count written inside each state, totaling 48. Mr. Brown discussed the slangs and sporadic meetings and an exchange of letters he had with Charlie Hess a Sheriff's Department cold case investigator over the course of four years. Investigator Hess got involved after Mr. Brown started writing letters deputies described as taunting to the El Paso County Sheriff's Office, but the letters abruptly broke off. Mr. Hess said, We started by writing a very direct letter to Robert, indicating who we were. He also said, Robert then started the correspondence, but he didn't want the investigators to come and see him in person. However, when he broke off communication again, investigators did go to see him, and Robert agreed to resume their correspondence. Charlie said, Little by little, he gave us bits of information. Being non judgmental was necessary. It became obvious with Robert that most things were in negotiation. If I can have a single cell, I'll tell you this. If I can have this, I can give you three murders. But Charlie said all the things Robert asked for were reasonable with the laws and rules. Robert's confession incited a new investigation that aimed to find out the veracity of his claims and private communications with the convicted killer were done by investigators. Robert piqued their interest by opening a can of more monstrous murders he had done, which according to him reached 49 in total. Thus, he was dubbed as the Devil's Right-Hand Man. Before Heather became his victim in 1991, there were others that came before and after her, in which Robert was a suspect. In his confessions and letters, Robert claimed he shot some of his victims, strangled others, and in one case, used a pair of leather shoelaces. He knocked out one woman with ether and then used an ice pick on her. He put a rag, soaked an ant killer, over another victim's face and stabbed her nearly 30 times with a screwdriver. He had also dismembered the remains of most of his victims and then disposed of them in isolated areas. If Mr. Brown was telling the truth about killing 49 people across the country, his crimes practically constituted a manual on the many ways in which to kill. Undoubtedly, these ladies and girls all suffered in his devilish hands. In March of 1980, Robert met 16-year-old Catherine Hayes, also from Cushada, at Uncle Alfred's fried chicken in the parking lot, and she offered a ride to her mom's house where Robert said they had consensual sex. Things turned ugly, though, when they argued after, and the quick-tempered serial killer strangled Catherine using shoelaces after she fell asleep. He then dumped her body off a bridge. Seven months after that, Catherine's skull was found in the little Nantachi Creek, near St. Maurice on October 16th, but it was identified two weeks later on November 1st. During the last day of March of that year, another woman from Cushada became Robert's target. Faye Self was having a chill night with friends at a bar. She had left her child with her mother and had to leave the bar to pick up the kid. She was headed out to the parking lot, and during that night, Faye mysteriously vanished. Robert actually spotted Faye at the club and took an interest in her. So when Faye got home, he snuck into her apartment while she was sleeping. Robert soaked a rag in chloroform and covered Faye's face with it to keep her asleep. As he was looking for a rope to strangle her, Faye was suffocated to death, so Robert had to dispose of her remains in the Red River. Sadly, her body has never been found. Two months had passed when Robert managed to strike again in his hometown, where he victimized his neighbor, Wanda Hudson. The 20-year-old worked as a supermarket checker and lived in the Rivertown apartment complex in Cushada, which was in the same neighborhood as Robert's. He claimed he broke into her apartment, and made her go unconscious by using red ant killer containing ether. (coughs) Then Miss Hudson was brutally stabbed to death with a screwdriver. Her boyfriend found her body, and the autopsy showed she was possibly raped and stabbed 30 times. Shocked and saddened, local community raised $4,000 as a reward for any information that could lead to an arrest in the case. Nadia Mendoza, a 17-year-old teenager from Sugarland, Texas, was the next victim of Robert's very violent, murderous mind on February 6, 1984, his first after four years and in another state. The two met at a strip club, according to Robert, who invited her to his hotel room where they had sex. He then beat her, strangled and dismembered her body using a dull butcher's knife. Her body was found along Highway 59 in Houston, decapitated with a severed leg and approximately 25 stab wounds in the chest and stomach. Less than a month after that, in the Texan town of Flatonia, the body of a dead woman, identified as Melody Bush, was found in a drainage ditch where it was believed she was killed on March 20th. Robert said they met at a motel bar and later agreed to have sex at his room. Robert claimed he used ether to leave her unconscious and then stabbed her to death. But the autopsy report revealed that her cause of death was acute acetone poisoning. Robert then relocated to Colorado Springs, Colorado by 1987. On November 10th of that year, his criminal instinct was on the rise again. A 15-year-old young wife named Rocio Sperry only disappeared after watching a movie. Twelve days later, Rocio's husband, Joseph, found her empty car in a parking lot. In his confession, Mr. Brown said he dismembered Rocio's body and scattered the parts in an isolated area, but those were never found. Joseph became a suspect for a very long time, and it adversely affected him, turning him to drugs and having multiple failed marriages after that. His name, though, was finally cleared, only when Robert confessed and pleaded guilty in 1995. But four years after that murder, on September 17, 1991, a Colorado Springs 13-year-old teen named Heather Church was abducted from her Black Forest, El Paso County home, while babysitting her younger brother. The many search efforts of the police were futile because they weren't able to locate Heather alive, or at least her remains if she had died. Things took a positive turn, though, when two years later, on September 16th of 93, a camper found her remains on Rampart Range Road. As mentioned before, this case was significant because the evidence left at the crime scene was eventually what brought down Robert in 1995. But barely two months later, Robert unleashed the devil in him and this time, it was in West Memphis, Arkansas. He victimized a 21-year-old suspected prostitute, Lisa Lowe, in mid-October of 1991. Like in some of the previous cases, the two had met at a bar in Memphis, and Robert paid Lisa to do sexual favors for him. They then drove to a wooded area near West Memphis, off Interstate 40, and things turned gruesome when, after they had sex, Robert strangled Miss Lowe, and may possibly have shot her before throwing her body into the St. Francis River where she was found floating on November 3rd, 1991. Surprisingly, after targeting a string of women, Robert set his eyes on a man named Timothy Warren a 39-year-old employee of Tulsa's Mohawk Park in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Robert met Timothy at a restaurant and persuaded him that they could go have sex at Mohawk Park, which was reputed as a cruising location. When they arrived there and exited their truck, Robert overpowered his victim and shot Timothy. So then, in the early morning hours of March 12 of 1992, the park's employees found Mr. Warren's body on the shores of a lagoon, clad only in his pants, which were wrapped around his thighs, and he had two 22 caliber gunshots to his head. Several hours later, Timothy's car was then located near Claremore Lake. Initially, while investigators were skeptical of Robert's claims, interests in his confessions were bolstered after he accepted a plea deal with regards to the 1987 murder of 15 year old Rocio Sperry. Robert was handed another life sentence for Rocio's case, aside from the one that involved the murder of Heather Church. The reception towards the claims of Robert have always been mixed while seasoned investigators and crime writers like Robert Ressler and James Allen Fox stated that Robert was likely responsible for more murders than the two convictions he had so far. They've also noted that Mr. Brown is most certainly exaggerating when it comes to the number of victims. When asked if any of his victims ever got away, Robert said, none ever got away, never gave the opportunity If you're going to do it, just do it. In court papers, Brown is painted as a picture of a predator who loathed women and thought he was justified in killing them because they were cheating on their husbands and boyfriends, in many cases with him. Robert, who has had six failed marriages, said he has been disappointed with women his whole life. He told investigators, Women are unfaithful, they screw around a lot, they cheat, and they are not of the highest moral value. They cheat and they are users. It was never clarified why he had these rather negative feelings towards women, nor if Robert had a psychological disorder or not. But his failed marriages may have harbored in him a deep hatred for women. As of April of 2022, Robert Brown is still serving his sentence at the Lemon Correctional Facility in Lemon, Colorado. He remains convicted solely in the murders of Miss Sperry and Miss Church, and no further murders have been conclusively linked to him since. Two tip lines have been set up through the El Paso County Sheriff's Office for any information about Robert. And his other possible victims. 915-520-7209. 915-492-7349. So that's gonna do it, guys, for this week's episode of Every Town. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And please do remember to rate and subscribe and share us with your other creepy friends. Tune in next week for another episode filled with scary, strange, and mysterious stories. Because you never know. Maybe your town will be next.